It's the slightly crunchy mom cast. Slightly crunchy mom cast. Where our discussions are based in evidence. And we try to maintain our relevance. But two drinks in, and we try not to lose our. It's the slightly crunchy mom cast. Slightly crunchy mom cast. The slightly crunchy mom cast. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Slightly Crunchy Mom Cast. This is a podcast with research based parenting information from a real world perspective of two moms just trying not to lose their shit. Do you like our podcast? Let us know. Take a moment and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us out and it'll help others find our podcast too. Now let's get to it. Today is episode 21 and we're talking about picky eaters. Picky eaters. <laughs> yes. I'm Brittany. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. And I'm Whitney. I currently, or maybe in the past, or maybe in the future, believe that my son is suffering from immediate onset amnesia. <laughs> Go on. He asked me. <laughs> Has he had a recent head injury? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. He asked me the same question probably 25 times. Today, it was very mapped out. It has been mapped out all week. We are going to get up. My Graham has soccer practice. Meyer has to go to a soccer game. We have to go from there to karate. They're getting their belt test. All week I got asked, when's belt test? So we know it's on Saturday. <laughs> then when we get done with that, we're going to get some lunch. We're going to go to Brittany and Mike's and you're going to see Elise and we're going to play. Okay, we're driving. Ask again. Here's what we're doing. Ask again. Here's what we're doing. <laughs> then we're in the car. I've already answered it six times. And we've talked about best belt test on Saturday numerous times. I'm in the car and mom goes, or he goes, hey, mom, which because everything starts with, hey, mom. Yeah, it sure does. Mm -hmm. Hey, mom. And I said, yes, Meyer, you're going the wrong way. I was like, oh, am I? (laughs) Tell me more about. I wasn't aware of that. And he was like, yeah, we're going to go to preschool. And I was like, oh, my God, Meyer, you're literally wearing your soccer uniform. Mm. You're wearing the jersey. He was like, "Oh, I'm not going to preschool." I was like, "You're gonna, you're gonna go to soccer." <laughs> An inquisitive chap, this Meyer. And then he forgot to pee today. <laughs> he forgot to pee, so he's screaming and writhing in pain. And I'm literally going through a checklist in my head, like, "Okay, he could have a bowel obstruction." Because Meyer doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't scream and cry in pain unless he honestly is. It's gonna ruin his day. So he's like, "I'm going through a whole this." And I said, "Before we go anywhere, I need you to sit. On, I don't need to go to the bath. Sit on the toilet and just sit there." And then that that kid, after screaming, I mean, crying profusely, he then starts peeing. He must have peed out a gallon, maybe two gallons before he was like, I feel better. I was like, why didn't you pee earlier? Yeah. He's like, I don't know. Yeah. So I think that my child suffers from immediate onset amnesia. <laughs> well, I was telling Whitney before we started recording this, in, in my experience with kids, especially my own kids, like 99% of stomach ailments can be cured by the question, do you need to poop? When I was thinking about it, too, I don't keep track of him. No. He's an independent kid. Yeah. He just goes, flushes a toilet, and then moves on. So then I was like, now the doctor's going to be like, when's the last time he pooped? I was like, I I have no no idea. idea. (laughs) And he eats a good diet. Yeah. Ish. What goes in must come out. Right? Yes. So that leads us into our topic today. Sure does. But first, what you drinking, girl? Okay. So I'm drinking another Edmund's Oast, Mm -hmm. because you always say it wrong, sour (laughs) cherry. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, I'll drink it. I'll finish it by the time. Okay. What you got? I have the Appalachian Mountain Brewery Raindrop IPA. It's pretty good. That is a mouthin' full. A mouthin' full. A mouthin' full. (laughs) 
Oh, I see what you did there. You like what I did? Yeah. Thank you. Hey. Hello. All right. So we're talking about, oh, wait a minute. Our beers today are donated. By Johnny Sue. Thanks, Johnny Sue. At the Haven Zoo. Yes. You know, You've been I, doing some monkey tending. I did. I had to go up there and take care of the animals because <laughs> she has a dog, Fen, that qualified for the nationals in the jumping. That's he some does the agility. doggy training yes. there, Johnny Sue. <laughs> Made it all the way to nationals. <laughs> and so someone had to help with the animals. Okay. So I had to go feed the 41,000 like goats and had to feed the monkeys, which I couldn't look at them because he could grab my hair. Oh, it's a whole then, thing. Oh, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. You don't make eye contact the with lemurs. The oh, she has Mason who lives indoors with her and Mason kept stealing the covers because I took a nap from me and I was like, Mason, stop. Damn. And then I go to clean his cage, and he's jumping on my head, and he's just sitting on my head. I'm like, Mason, get off. Mason, come on. And he's like. (laughs) So how did Finn do in his championship? He did really well. He qualified. Oh, I've never been. I'm going to go to one. But he qualified for the finals. Sounds exciting. She said I think he got in 20th, 25. Do we We don't know the denominator. 25th out of, oh, there were thousands of dogs Oh, wow. Dang, Finn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So thank you, Johnny Sue. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So we're talking today about picky eaters. So we've spent a lot of time over the past few episodes on like infant topics. So we're shifting gears a little bit. And we're going to talk about uh, younger kids and when they start eating and eating solids and when they get a little bit older and it's time for them to like join the family meal, not necessarily in a high chair and all the things that come of that. Yeah. So in looking into this, I actually... I'm really interested in this topic because eating and making meals is how I show my love. So, so we talked about love languages. Yeah. So I love to cook for people and I love to cook for my neighbors. I love to cook for my children. And so I don't know that I would do well with a annoying child at the dinner table. <laughs> okay. But every child. So I was really actually interested in doing this topic. Every child goes through a picky eating phase. Pretty much all of them. Mm-hmm. I'll say every, but okay, you may have the child that didn't. That's great. But pretty much every child is going to go through that phase. Um, so we need to decide what is a picky eater because everyone will define that differently. So um, a study that looked at thousands and thousands of children that asked the parents to define what they said a picky eater was. So Limits food and variety. A non-picky eater, they said only 14% of those kids, and this was six and under, would limit food, while a picky eater, 92%. So I think a lot of picky eaters are those who limit variety of food. Um, they want their, So like kind of eating just like the same six things. Yeah, they don't like variety. They don't want to try new things. Actually accepting new foods, uh, 63% of non-picky eaters will accept new food, and 0% of picky eaters will accept new foods easily in this study. Um, food cooked a certain way, 16% of non-picky eaters, but 64% of picky eaters. Strong likes, you had 65% of non-picky eaters having strong likes and 92% of picky eaters and strong dislikes, 40% versus 47% versus 100%. So picky (laughs) eaters really, they just strongly dislike food. And throws tantrums at the table. Mm. So you only got 6% of the non-picky eaters while you got 28%. And that's fun because you've just, you're at the end of your day. You're kind of tired already. The day's worn on you. You've just fixed this whole meal. You made everyone a plate. Everybody's sitting down. And here comes a tantrum. Yep. So what do you do? Because they don't like that food that you just made. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. They don't like it. You did a terrible job. Mm -hmm. They hate you and everything about you (laughs) because of the food. 
And we're going to get into what do you do? Because that is the big question, right? So most of us know that we're going to have a picky eater at some point in our Mm -hmm. lives. And so what do you do about it? But I want to go into the type of kids that are picky eaters. um, And then by age. So this was another study that looked at thousands of I try to find studies that were over 2000 um, children looked at and mothers that were analyzed. And at at 1.5, so 18 months, 26.5% were defined as picky eaters as one of those categories listed above. That one mainly did to limiting food, strong likes and dislikes and throwing tantrums. Um, At three years of age is 27% and at six years of age is 13.2%. Males are more likely to be picky than females. Hey, out of curiosity, did you look at anything like region country specific? Yeah. Okay. So that's really challenging, right? So yes, you can see that actually in the UK, you'll see similar trends to what we have in America, Mm -hmm. but you don't find that in, I would say, third world countries. Uh So the reason is, is because we have a ton of choice Mm -hmm. in America. A nation of wealth. A nation of wealth. And UK has kind of got a lot of choices Mm -hmm. as well. But the, the smaller, you know, I read a book recently, a year ago on North Korea <laughs> and children there were eating trash. So there's... it also makes me wonder about the power of like marketing, right? And like advertising and like the programming that kids watch and maybe certain things like packaged in certain ways, colorful, maybe with characters on it. I know when I take my kid down the cereal aisle, she doesn't care about the types of cereal. She sees who's on the box and we have to have a conversation about that. Yeah. And I mean, but my children were really limited, um, electronics and TV and all that mm-hmm. up until they were three and they still both of them went through a picky eating phase. Meyer is still there. Meyer is mm-hmm. a picky eater. Yeah. Um, Graham, literally I could put hot sauce on a turkey. He's kind of like <laughs> he'll eat it. Like he just he's he always eats. been like that. No, he him. went through a picky fe- phase okay. like every child between two and four but he is just he will eat. He tries everything. He has no problems trying anything. And there are times he's not a fan of them. But like for the most part, I don't have any problems with him. Meyer's yeah. a different story. Yeah. Meyer has been picky since the day he came out. And I assume that he will probably stay somewhat picky. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just kind of how they are. When you talk about like the type of child, I read one study. So please don't take this to be anything as conclusive. But I thought it was interesting that found that um, kids who were persistently high on the scale of avoidance also tended to be high demanding and exaggerated mood swings. So I thought that that was really interesting because my child could be exaggerated. (laughs) I also want to sidebar something too. And and I don't know, we didn't discuss like the links of your research, but I I want to sidebar kind of uh, kids with um, kids on the autism spectrum with autism spectrum disorder, ASD, Perhaps children with uh, developmental delays, things like that. Those kids are often picky, but they struggle a lot with texture. And so we're not necessarily focusing so much on that today. We're we're focusing more on kind of like neurotypical development of kids. Now, I do think we can probably like generalize some of like, you know, how you deal with that sort of thing. But by and large, I think you've got to take a different approach when you know something else is on board, especially in regards to, you know, some kind of a delay or, or alternate diagnosis. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's not my specialty. So I know nothing about <laughs> Which it. Which is why I just wanted to sidebar it. 
<laughs> that's so all. If that's where you're at, yeah. this is not. I, I well, they, uh, among among kids with autism, there's a lot of talk about like specialty diets, and you know when you talked about and if you like have a Down limited, syndrome, there's right. also going to have to be specialty diets. That's right. Immune to, or there. And then you have system. things like pica, where kids are eating everything, and PKU, then you have that's a weird one. Yeah, they have that amino, yep. the protein where their diets are that's super right. weird. So clearly, and then the, you have Prater Willies, which is uh, a developmental delay where kids um, literally are, are they eat everything um, and you have to really control that so we're not talking about like that type of picky eating today but that is something to be considered and a lot of kids on the spectrum they find beneficial like different types of diets Um, but maybe a future episode but Certainly not. No, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I'm gonna stay in my lane. (laughs) So that's kind of what we were talking about. Is that almost every child goes through this, and so you know, my kind of own, you know, my um, experience with us is like I was saying earlier, Graham ate everything coming out of the womb. I mean, he he literally has never been picky except for between the ages of two and four. And he backslid and he went picky. And you'll find this a lot of times with parents where they'll say like, oh, my kid always ate peas. And then they hit three and they stopped eating peas. And you're like, well, probably nothing happened to the peas. <laughs> <laughs> There's your standard peas. But they are they are trying to assert some more independence. I was just going to make that point. Right? So mm-hmm. they want to assert some dominance. Like they're what trying can to, they control right? in their surroundings? So we yep. went through that at that age. Um, with Elise, you want to talk about your experience with her eating habits? Yeah. So, well, you know, my son is eight months and uh, he's been introduced to the worlds of solids for the past two months. He from- looks like he eats everything because he was screaming at you he- for not feeding him fast enough. Uh, was just having some spinach and artichoke dip downstairs. <laughs> so far, he hasn't met a food that he does not like. But again, he we haven't hit age two to four when there's yeah. kind of a different emotional development phase. Um, my daughter has always kind of like Meyer, like she's sort of always been picky. Um, I I'll be honest, I got to a point with her, like she, you know, I was a first time parent, um, kind of dealing with her with gloves on. I was a little afraid, like, oh, is she getting the calories she needs? Like mm-hmm. she's not eating, blah, 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 blah. And then I think I just got to the point where like I was comfortable with like her development. And I'm like, you know what? She's gonna eat when she's hungry. Uh and so like one day I just was sort of like, listen, because we would do this game where it would be dinner time and we would sit at the table and she would barely eat. And then I'm sure that parents can relate to me what I'm about to say. 30 minutes to an hour later, she's asking for a snack. Yeah, that's super fun. That pisses me off. Yeah, because I Because I just, you're not going to have like a cheese stick and yogurt and mm-hmm. goldfish like an hour after dinner. So I tell you, now she was uh, old enough to kind of understand the logic and the reasoning to mm-hmm. this. But we started a thing where... Look, I made your plate. Um, This is your food. This is your dinner. Uh, If you choose to get up from the table, that's fine. But I'm going to leave your plate out until bedtime. If you get hungry, you may return to your plate. But there's not going to be any more snacks. And I tell you, that really worked. But it took you a time. Because I do remember sometimes when you were coming over and you're like, well, at least won't eat that. Let me make her another little plate. Yep. And so how long were you doing that for? Mm, I don't know. It feels like so long ago. Like... Probably like a year, probably from the time that like she was one to two. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there where, where like she wasn't on like the formula to breast milk anymore. And, and I was still, you know, here's what I think is hard. And I'll certainly like relate to parents and I'll sympathize with this. The first year of life, certainly the first six months, 
everything is about how are they growing. Like mm-hmm. every doctor's appointment is like weight check, right? It's mm-hmm. like, um, okay, you need to come in at... How much are they feeding? At how three, d- feeding? exactly. And, and what's their output? How many diapers are they soiling? And then it's like they hit 12 months... And all that goes away. And there's nothing like magical about 12 months. Yep, nope. and, but it's just sort of like that time when they can get by with what we eat, right? Mm-hmm. What, what you know, you don't need like all those liquid calories. And so I think like there's so much uh, kind of hype and focus and attention put on like the gaining and the weight and output. But for me, it took me some time to realize like, okay. She's not going to starve. Like, yeah. if we we live in a land of abundance here, mm-hmm. we, you know, like we're blessed that like our kids aren't hungry. Um, you may not have uh, what you want all the time, but there is certainly food here for you to eat. And the other thing I'll say what was important to me and continues to be important to me is teaching my child how to eat in terms of like understanding, you know, non-processed foods, fruits, vegetables, foods that we make at home, what foods are quote unquote junky foods that you Mm -hmm. can eat sometimes. Like we're not villainizing any food, but you need to understand like balance so we can eat these more fun foods, but we're going to eat those lesser and then sweets and desserts and that sort of thing. And not so much, you know, I have a girl, so not so much from a weight perspective, but what I'm trying to teach Elise is how her body functions well when she fuels it right. And not so much in the long term, but in the immediacy. So like if you're going to sit down and eat fries and chicken nuggets for the third day in a row, you're not going to feel well. No. Physically, you're not going to feel like getting outside and playing. You're not going to be able to like do the fun things you like to do. When we give our bodies the appropriate food, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel good. And so that's what I'm trying to to teach Elise now yeah. that she's older. Well, and I think going back to your original point of you kind of felt like, are they, if they're not eating, when I put a meal in front of them, if they're not eating it, then they're not going to get enough calories and therefore they're not going to gain weight. Mm-hmm. So I looked at some studies and, you know, it, it was interesting in doing this kind of research for this episode because I had some opinions based off of picky eaters. Um, And I was really interested in what I found. So there was no weight difference between non-picky and picky eaters, which was interesting to me. Um, There was, you know, picky eaters were a little underweight, um, but nothing of significance. They were still considered, quote unquote, healthy. So that's interesting, right? Because just because you have a picky eater, me, doesn't mean that because I put a meal in front of my child and he chooses not to eat it and then I do not offer him any other additional food that he is underweight. One of the things they also said, and I read this in four different places, so I'm, I'm tending to believe it. I read it on the CDC. I read it, you know, a couple of different places and all of this will be cited for people to go back and double check that a child will eat if they are hungry and they will eat food they do not like if they are truly hungry. Okay, so kids, I'm glad you're making that point. Kids, starting from the time babies, and I think we touched on this Mm -hmm. in our breastfeeding episodes, they are so good at regulating their calories. So a baby will get what they need from milk. They will, in in a 24-hour period, they will regulate their calories. And so that what you're saying is that transfers into toddlerhood and young, young childhood where they'll get what they need. Yes. Meyer loves a good breakfast. He eats mm-hmm. a huge breakfast, eats a medium lunch, 
and eats a very small dinner if he chooses to eat it. And that's just his flow. And that's what he's, that will be, now sometimes I know he likes certain foods. And so when I make, like he loves steak salad. And so when I make his steak salad, he's going to devour an entire bowl full or two bowl fulls. And he makes himself almost sick to him in the stomach. He's like, it hurts. But in general, (laughs) he eats a large breakfast eats a medium lunch and he eats a very small dinner and he does have snacks. I do let him have snacks after breakfast and after lunch when they get home. Um, But every snack that is offered to him is healthy. So it was really interesting. So I just want to make that point that if your child chooses not to eat a meal, please do not freak out, run to the refrigerator (laughs) and get the thing that he loves that may or may not be healthy for him because you're worried about calories. It's really, they will get what they need. They are not like adults. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find a four-year-old that's an anorexic. And it's a marathon, this whole picky eating thing. Absolutely. I want to say that too. It's not a sprint. Like, and, and you'll know, I'm sure as adults, you can probably think about foods that you used to not like. And then now over time, like your taste have sort of changed and you like them. Um, you know, and, and I think there's, there's some of that too with kids is like it sort of changes over time. I think exposure is important. So just putting different foods on a kid's plate I think um, repetition so putting those foods over time and then you as a parent as a family like what are you modeling in terms of you know that healthy eating and that balance right how often do you go out to eat how often do you reach into the freezer how often do you prepare fresh foods and look I am, I just heard Whitney say, whenever she offers her kids a snack, it's always healthy. That ain't me. Sometimes <laughs> I offer my kids snacks that are not so healthy, but it is, it's, it's more the exception, not the rule. Like prime example. Oh my goodness. So my daughter, <laughs> my daughter goes to a, um, like a, a school that is a smaller school. And so they don't have like an onsite cafeteria. So they have something called hot lunch and mm-hmm. hot lunch is essentially like they've got partnerships with neighboring restaurants that cater in lunch. Elise is always on her soapbox about why can't I get hot lunch, mom? Everybody <laughs> else has hot lunch. Why can't I get hot lunch? Okay, I'm going to tell you why you can't get hot lunch. And this is exactly how I break, break it down for her. We live by 80-20 rule in my house. We eat healthy 80% of the time so that 20% of the time we can eat like shit and have a big old time, okay? So the last thing I'm doing is paying $5 for you to get two slices of pizza that comes to you um, probably lukewarm on a Thursday at 10.35 a.m. when your lunch is is at school. What I'd rather do is... Eat shit with her as a family. Eat shit up as a family. Walk (laughs) up to the neighborhood pizza joint that's locally owned that we love where I can sit down, I can have a nice drive beer and we can all share a meat lovers that sounds a lot better because during on a thursday at 11 a.m you need to eat a healthy and balanced lunch why because you're at school it's easy let's eat the healthy foods when it doesn't matter like work week i'm gonna be eating some healthy stuff but come friday night saturday sunday it's time to rage (laughs) well and i think that (laughs) i like your 80 20 rule i don't ever think about it we just don't buy a lot of unhealthy things for the house just because we go out You're to gonna eat. eat them. Well, we that go out to eat, thing. so there's no sense in having it right. in the house. But what's interesting about it, and so I want to talk about what we should do if you have a picky eater, because they absolutely affect your family. That's right. So if you let it, absolutely. The behavior part so of it. So we're going to talk about what to do if your child is picky, and then I want to just talk about how it affects families. So I there's a study, the same study that we talked about earlier, was talking about this that the relationship between the child and 
the um, parent. So frequent struggles over food. So a parent sits down and they're struggling with their child over food. You got 12% of non-picky eaters and 62% of picky eaters where the parent and the child are struggling over food. Um, They struggle because the child eats too little. 3% of um, non-picky eaters, 12% of picky eaters. Um, Too much, they're eating too much. It's 3% versus 8%. What's interesting is over the type of food, so they're fighting about the type of food, it's 7% versus 65%. But one of the biggest ones I want to talk about is arguing with your spouse regarding what your child is eating is 17% versus 46%. So we're going to roughly say 50% of the time when you have a picky eater in the family, it's going to cause discord between you and your spouse. Mm -hmm. And we don't want that, right? That's a lot of power. That's a lot of control. And not only that, dinner time is supposed to be family time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to recommend that you always eat as a family. At the table. At the table for dinner. I know that that's hard sometimes with like basketball and baseballs and all that. But the rule, I mean, you can have exceptions. But the general rule, yeah. Is that you eat together on the family. But I wanted to talk about how that affects the family and why it's kind of important to address it early on instead of later. Because once you get past six, what the research tells us is that once you've hit past six, they're almost embedded in the child. Because it's now become a thing for the family and there's a lot of power and a lot of attention given to bad and negative behaviors. Now, there are some families that are absolutely fine with feeding their kid. We go to chicken nuggets. It may not be chicken nuggets every single night and macaroni and cheese or pizza six nights a week. That And if that's you, then don't worry about it. I would say it's not very balanced or healthy, but you know what? Whatever. You be you. I yeah. Really, it, it, all of this stuff is kind of like the baby sleep episode. Like if it works for you, it it's works. Fine. Yeah. All right. So what do you do if you have a child that is picky? Okay. So that's the question. You have a child. Let's say you have one that wasn't picky and now they're picky. So I'm going to go with six and under because I'm going to have something different for you if they're six and above. So if they're six and under, you're going to offer a variety of foods starting at nine months. So you're going to offer foods that are different often. If your kid does not like it at the first time, who cares? Mm -hmm. Who gives a shit? It doesn't mean anything. You continue to offer it. Mm They don't have to eat it. There's no like shoving it in their face. There's no shoving it in their mouth. You offer it. If they don't want to try it, you try again in a week or in three days or whenever that food comes back up. Okay. So I really want to say that like, don't give up on your child because they don't like it the first time. I mean, how many times have you gone out on a date with the guy and you didn't like him the first time and you ended up marrying him? Okay, well, I also like, say at the age of nine months, they're still working out a lot of things about eating. Months, so so even years. like, it might not even, you're seeing a funny face, it might not even be about the um, food at all. Or, I mean, mine used taste. to spit the food out. I mean, he literally would spit it out and we would wipe his mouth and I would try again. If he didn't want it, we'd move to something else. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. You just keep trying because the reality is it takes up to 20 times to develop what whether you like something or you don't. Mm-hmm. So unless you've offered that child 20 times carrots through f- 10 years, you really can't check that box. I mean, Meyer doesn't like carrots. He's never liked carrots. I still cook carrots yeah. a variety of ways. So number two, um, I'm going to say, well, we talked about that. Eat a, have well-balanced options. So if you are someone that tends to be more anxious about what your kid eats, offer something on the plate of three or four things that you know they will eat. Mm-hmm. If it's blueberries or bananas or if they like salads or they like that kind of stuff, go ahead and put a little bit on there that they'll eat. 
if you're concerned. They're in there, and Whitney is not so much in this school of thought, but I, I am. Like, I, when Elise was being really picky, I had a handful of foods that she could always access. Like, Elise's, uh, liked nuts, mm-hmm. so she could always have pistachios or cashews. Fruit was always available, and yogurt was always available to her. So, like, if she didn't like them, those were, like, some safety items, but we weren't going in any other direction. Like, those were the things that were there for her. Yeah. We actually do do that now that they're older. They do have a bunch like they eat pistachios and they can have apples and bananas. All that's at their disposal. Mm -hmm. I really don't care. They have green peppers and red peppers. All that is available to them. The other thing that I would suggest doing is when you make dinner. So I give choices for breakfast. I give choices for lunch and dinner. You have no say at the beginning of the week. I'll ask, is there anything you guys want? And generally I hear the same things. I want steak salad. I want, you know, a couple of things that my kids really love. Um, and sometimes I make them or sometimes I'm like, eh, we did that last week, yeah. but dinner is dinner. So, and this is kind of also said a lot of times you make what is for dinner. You put it in front of the children and you say nothing about the food. If they ask what it is, you tell them, you don't lie to them. Even if, and if they choose not to eat it, they choose not to eat it. Do not make a scene about it. Do not talk about it. Dinner time is not talking about food and whether they like it or not. That's not dinner. Dinner time is talking about your day. How's everything going? Because you're setting up the groundwork at two, three, four, so that when they're in high school, they know they're going to come home and tell you about their day. They're not going to come home and tell you whether they like the pizza that's in front of them. (laughs) So my children... So one of the things I read kind of numerous times is teach your children how to be polite. I don't make Meyer try things. I did for a little bit and it became a disaster. We were fighting and I was like, we're done with that. I don't care if you try it or not. And I find actually now he'll actually try more things because I've not made a thing of it. But what I have taught my children is that you can politely decline food. I don't care what you think about my food. So please don't tell me unless I ask you. If I ask you and you don't like it, you can simply say, I'm not a fan. You can also eat around food because there's nothing more hurtful to someone that spent hours on food to have a six, seven, eight-year-old say that this is disgusting. I don't like yeah, this. Yeah, that's rude. So you need to just teach and them to be good. And it's unappreciative. And I think once you get to that age bracket, it's more kind of behavior related. It and it's, you know, and I think it's important, like, we treat this just like any anything else, like in terms of parenting, like... You know, let's not make this a tug of war. You know, as a parent, drop the rope and it's not going to be... You can't make a picky eater be a good eater. Yes. All you can do is offer them options and allow them to choose And what I know to do. that, you know, and, and I stand by this really firmly. I think, you know, in the world of parenting now, it's not always the popular opinion, but it's never going to change in my mind. The parent's the boss. Yes. The kid's not the boss. And that goes for mealtime too. Like, you know what's best for your kid and you've provided that in their meal. If they choose not to eat it, that's fine. But um, they're not going to control that table. Do not let them control that kitchen. Just like you wouldn't let them control anything else. Well, and a kid doesn't have to eat. And so, it's like, fine. Yeah, you you're don't not going to shove eat, it down but their But you throat. also don't have to tell the person that spent time cooking that meal that you don't like it. Mm-hmm. I lived in West Africa for a couple of years. I've been open and upfront about that. They fed me, I think, chicken butt one night. I don't <laughs> even know. But you know what? I ate it. I didn't ask because that to them was something that was so special and honorable to give me meat that they were going to have once it every had six months. It had cultural implications. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so, if I had turned to them and said, that's disgusting 
thing or that's gross because no one had told me that that was rude. That would have been so hurtful to someone. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's why I'm so onto this. So I literally would say, teach your child, continue to offer foods and don't worry so much about what they eat and what they don't eat. Offer healthy options. Don't just feed them what they will eat. Offer them things you know they won't eat. But more importantly, teach them how to be polite Mm -hmm. and decline politely. I say four and under, you get some grace. Four and above, you should know better. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the rule of thumbs. So I'm just going to, because we're, you know, we've talked about it, but I want to go on some hard no's. So some hard no's that I've read about was never say, if you finish all of this, you can have this. So in my family, if we are going to offer dessert, whether you eat dinner or not, we will give you dessert. Now, we offer dessert maybe once a month. If you are a family that offers dessert every single night and you have a picky eater that never eats, I would... I would suggest stop offering dessert every night because the thing is, is what you're teaching them is if you eat the stuff that's quote unquote bad, you'll get the bad stuff or good. You'll get the bad stuff. So we're bribing you. So don't ever bribe a child to eat. I would say never force them to eat because if you say I'm you sit there until you eat all of this, a that is a ton of power to give a three and four year old. That is an absolute ton of power to give them. So Basically, I wouldn't do it because they may then sit there all night and still not eat it. And they've enlisted a lot of power. So if know your child, if I were to do that with Meyer, he would sit there all night. So know your child and also know it. Don't make it a power struggle because like we said, eating should be a family time. That's enjoyable. It should not be centered around what you're eating. It should be asking each other. So how was your day? What were you doing? And all that. And and so when you kind of get into those struggles of bribery, demanding, authoritative. Now you're in a power struggle with a four-year-old. Yeah, and eating is kind of like sleeping. You can't force someone to do it. So I think you've got to be careful. Now, I will I will slightly disagree with the with the dessert thing. So like Elise loves sweets, but it's not eating with her now is not a struggle. It's not a power struggle. Um and she'll, you know, want something sweet. She'll ask me if she can have a piece of candy or something and I'll say, "Well, if you eat a good dinner, you can." Because I don't want her to eat a fourth of her food and then have something sweet that fills her up. But what I will say is, you you and know she's your older kid than six. Yes, right. And so yeah, she's seven, and um, I think you and she understands like that concept now. Like I, yeah. I have to like eat you know well at dinner so that I'm not you know eating snacks and yeah. junk. But um, you know you, I think the biggest message like you know your kid. Don't make dinner time this big tug of war, this big battle, this big fight. Don't be there's, making four different meals. Yes, there's easier ways to to go about this. And so that's the message we want you to get. Yeah, and I just for one quick thing, if you have a child that's 6 and older and you have a picky eater and it is a struggle every single night and they are whining and they are crying and they are demanding things, what I will say to you in that situation is don't buy certain foods that are going to cause, if all they eat is chicken nuggets, I'm, I love you and I know that you're going to be struggling through it, stop buying chicken nuggets. You know, I was just thinking about that. And and just prepare yourself for a lot of whining, but also just... It'll pass. It will pass, but also don't buy... If they yeah. are only eating shit, 
don't buy the shit and put it in your house. You know, and here's the thing. I um so there's that approach, which I totally agree with. If you don't want to have the struggle, don't create the struggle, don't Get buy it. it. But you know what? Um my husband grew up, he has two brothers, so there was three boys in the home, and he had a different approach that I actually uh, kind of like too. His um his dad would do all the grocery shopping and they would request things like uh chips and little debbies and that sort of thing. And his dad would say, Fine, boys. Um the problem would be he would come home and they would they would eat them all immediately. So he would say, fine, I'm going to buy like this many of this and this many of this. I go grocery shopping once a week. That's what my mom did actually. When it is gone, it is gone. We loved Gushers and she did the same thing. If you want to sit there and you want to eat them all in one sitting, that's fine. But you're going to be done with them until next Saturday when we go grocery shopping again. So however you like structure that, like that's up to you. Um, But I want you to hear that you are the parent you are the boss. You're in control. Don't let that child emotionally manipulate you because guess what? If they don't eat dinner, they're not going to starve. They're not going to starve. You're going to be just fine. And so are they. So that is our conclusion. That's the conclusion. <laughs> so thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to give us feedback, provide topic suggestions, or just tell us your own funny stories, reach out to us at slightlycrunchymomcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. We post weekly reminders of new episodes and some funny stuff just to give you a little laugh. Our handle is at slightlycrunchymomcast. Or even better, you can buy us a beer. You know we like to drink. Donate via buymeacoffee.com slash slightlycrunchy. As you might have heard, my oh-so-talented husband just might write you a custom song. Until next week. Oh, my God. I got to find the glass. Bye.